Where does he find you, crazy bitches? Welcome to the revolution, Charlie. Mais c'est tellement nouvelle cette chanson française qu'il faut que je lis toutes les paroles parce que elle vient de la faire il y a trois jours. Elle a seulement trois jours. Et, et c'est pour ça que je les parole ici. Mais je vous promets que depuis aujourd'hui, elle va être très populaire en France. Vous voyez. Je pense. La Hello and welcome to another episode of Tinker Taylor Podcast Spy. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler. I'm joined by Max. Hello. And back again is everyone's favorite, Emma. Hello. Hello, Emma. How was your time in East Berlin? Oh, you know, I can't really talk about it. Fair enough. I won't press you on that. I actually myself have a, a trip planned in the near future for approximately a month um, where I will be driving a rented car by myself um, from Canada <laughs> down to Argentina <laughs> and then flying back under an assumed name. <laughs> I will be away. Um, I've got babies arriving in two days. Yay. Uh, yay. So I will be um, probably off for a little bit, but um, the show will go on. And um, in the meantime, let's get into part two of our Little Drummer Girl book series. So we're doing chapters 10 through 18 on this episode. Um, Emma, before we started recording, described it as, you know, the first nine chapters were the fuck around chapters. And we are now in, firmly in the finding out phase of the book. And um, it's great. I, I, I think... We're all enjoying it quite a bit. Emma, you, you, what were you saying about it before? Oh, I was saying that I found the first third kind of difficult to get into. Like, they're just kind of laying the tracks for the later bit. And it is honestly, um, I'm, I'm not afraid to say this, it's a little confusing. Um, yeah. Just the sheer breadth of the operation. But then once uh, we reach a certain point, things really start to click together. And you're just kind of, you are strapped in along for the ride with Charlie. Yeah, I mean, at the at the beginning, it's I mean, it's a lot of John Le Carre, but particularly here in the beginning, you like yeah. really don't grasp the breadth of the what is going on uh, for a long time. You're just like, oh wait, there there's this actress. Oh, they're approaching her, and then you're like, oh wait, literally every single thing in this is set up. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. The, the, it's got this thing that I, this happens to me all the time with. Um, genre fiction like this uh where as i'm reading it i'm like am i stupid and i've missed something and i'm not really getting it or is it you know intricately planned so you don't actually know what's happening yet you're you're supposed to not understand and i have that moment in almost every john the book where i'm like did i miss something or did i not read this right you know for me i think it's at least both uh yeah, a lot of the yeah. time so <laughs> assume assume both usually but um yeah, yeah this with John Le Carre, I do like to assume that it's because he's laying out yeah. an incredibly clever oh, yeah. plot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I, I I always assume that it's my fault and not <laughs> the fault of the author, whereas I'm much yep. less forgiving sure. with other authors. We're letting you down, John. I mean, I think this yeah. is why John Le Carre rewards rereading a lot because there's just for sure you you pick up on so much more and you you're not kind of just grasping at the kind of just lowest hanging fruit of trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, and once yeah, yeah. you, you, you know what's going on, you can, you can, but like this is, I mean, granted I read this a while ago, but this is my second read through and it's still, you know, it's still very gripping. Like, mm -hmm, Oh wait, mm -hmm. I still want to like, you know, kind of on the edge of my seat type thing. Yeah. It's funny where, um, you know, with because John Lecrae is an author, obviously that we love, but is very well respected. You kind of have to do that thing where it's like, obviously, if John Lecrae wanted this to be very easy to understand, he could have written it so it was easy to understand. Like he's a good enough writer to have figured out what he wants to say. Um, so obviously, you're reading this, and you're like, okay, wait, um, this is going to be made clear eventually. You just got to have the faith. Um, and it's funny, actually, the the plot summary that I'm kind of using as as the guide, uh, as kind of the show notes for for walking through the plot. Um, the reason this guy, some guy's blog, uh, I guess I'll plug it. His name's Gareth McDade. Um, Thanks, Gareth. Was, yeah, thank you, Gareth. Um, 
I assume this was a very, very old post blog post on this guy's personal WordPress blog. But his intro was like, I read this and I tried to find a summary because it was so confusing and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I did my best to do it myself. And Gareth, you know what? I think you did a great job, buddy. So Gareth, if you're out there somewhere, we yeah, love you. You did a good job. You yeah, certainly... thank you, Gareth. It was helpful to check my <laughs> understanding against his. Yes. You're certainly like a thousand times better than the Wikipedia page. Friend um, of the pod. <laughs> yeah, why? There should be a law about Wikipedia where it's like, if you're going to add a plot summary, you have to have a chapter by chapter breakdown. You can't yeah. do this bullshit where it's like one one paragraph and it spoils the whole the whole book. Yeah, I, that's what happened to me is I was <laughs> like um, at, at the very first. Actually, I don't even want to confess this, but I was like, are Joseph and Gotti the same person? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I go to Little Drummer Girl and I saw what happens in the final chapter. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> It turns out Charlie and Gotti are the same person. Yeah, you know, this it's is like, like um, it's like it's, Fight it's, Club. It's, it's Fight Club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's exactly. It's Fight Club. It's uh, it's Israeli or Palestinian Fight Club. Um, okay, let's get into this. So we're starting off in chapter ten. I'm not going to call the chapters out because um, you know, all the, all the love in the world to Gareth McDade, but he did not uh, break it up by chapter. But we'll just kind of walk through it. We're good. We don't need to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point we are, uh, essentially at the point where Michael is now kind of introduced, um, in terms of he is now being held captive. He's in the Argentinian photographer's secret room and being interrogated. And this is where Kurtz actually kind of shows up to, um, to interrogate him. And, and I think this is one of the grosser scenes, I think in the, yeah. In the and I mean, you also, it's kind of. I think makes what they did to uh, Charlie seem even worse as well. Cause they've kind of, it's, they basically just, they did the same thing. Like they locked her in this room for days and, and interrogate her. And it's, it's, you know, they, it's kind of makes you start really grappling with like, do the means, do the ends justify the means? Like that's, that's basically what the Israelis are operating on is that the ends yeah. justify the means. And like John le Carre is not going to make you look away, not going to let you look away from the, the means um, right. at all. Yeah. Um, I think maybe a, a lesser author or maybe less politically astute author yeah. kind of um, gl- uh, glosses over these scenes or doesn't put these scenes in. Right. Or makes it sound like makes it like sound quote unquote cool. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and, and then uh, around this part as well, you're kind of learning more about the letters that they're forging. And this is honestly the part that was kind of the most confusing to me was um, essentially the way that they're trying to um, uh, show the Palestinian, I guess, resistance that Charlie is kind of on the up and up is through all these letters that they're kind of forging and and the um uh, the interrogation of Michael is kind of giving them the information they need to make sure these letters read as super legit and so they're weaving the information from Michael plus the information they've kind of set up from uh the fake Michael from Joseph kind of following her around England and in Greece and everything they're kind of weaving that all together with real information from Michael to make these letters sound totally legit. Um, and that part was always a little bit confusing to me. Like where are these letters being sent exactly? And um, as we find out later, the resistance uh, has, has all these letters um, and they've read them all. And that's why they kind of know who Charlie is in the first place and know that there's a relationship there. So I found this part a little bit confusing, but I think the only thing that is the main takeaway is they forged a bunch of letters to make Charlie seem like fake Charlie. Yeah, they're literally um, just uh, setting it up so that um, in all the places where Joseph is taking Charlie around, that like he can basically be replaced with Michael. Right. And um, so like when he takes her to those romantic spots in Greece and stuff like that, it's so that she can be a better actress like when talking about it and be like, oh, here are the things he told me about. Right. And, you know, things like that. And then um, there's even a part where they... um they put uh 
Michael's head on uh, Joseph's body in a picture. Right. And that's the kind of, uh, you know, it's already obvious like what what the plan was, but that's where you're yep. like, oh, okay, they are literally just, you know, a one for one replacing Joseph with Michael in all of these instances. And I think that's part of what, that's what causes so much confusion for Charlie yep. is that um, she has these feelings for Joseph, but she also is in love with the Michael that they're creating. Yeah. Which I actually like that bit too is quite complicated. All the stuff from Charlie's perspective where she's kind of flip-flopping back and forth talking about Joseph and Michael and they're kind of combining into one person. Um, it's a bit conf confusing, I guess, but it's actually, I think, a quite interesting um, character study, I guess. Um, and, and I actually found that stuff pretty good. I mean, I think it's confusing to her is a big, it's supposed, right, exactly. you know, she yeah, is, yeah, yeah. she doesn't know how to handle it. Um, particularly, I mean, this is later down the line, but per we can get to, but particularly when she finally actually meets uh, Yanuka Salim, like she's like finally putting a real face to it. And she's right. Like, who am I actually in love with? And it's 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 very confusing for the people involved as well. And I, I think, you know, we haven't really gotten to it yet, but it's, you know, confusing for Joseph. Um, yeah, but it's confusing for Joseph because he's like, I think kind of had disavowed all of this and yet is back in it um, and going along with it. Um, yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing that they've drawn out in the, in in these chapters as well, is that um, Gaddy, a.k.a. Joseph, a.k.a. Michael, is um, is kind of seems totally over the operational side of things. And he's he's uh, you learn more and more that he's kind of a legend. There's that scene where they're all in. Um, God, when is it? Is it just when they're um, monitoring her in Nottingham or whatever? When um, I thought it was. I, I thought it yeah, was... it's when they're monitoring her in Nottingham, and they have that like estate that someone lent to him, and right. basically everyone treats him with a ton of reverence because he's the famous, you know. Yeah, he's like character. a hero kind of. Uh, I mean, I guess it would be like if Babe Ruth like kind of walks in for them. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's just, the like, Babe Ruth of he's Israeli the celebrity. <laughs> uh, Babe Ruth, the famous uh, Israeli spy. This this is this is a. It does remind me. It's a. It's a, a completely unrelated anecdote, but there's this law firm recruiting video that someone posted to youtube and they have this associate who just like completely kiss ass brown nose talks about how like oh i see a partner walking down the hall and it's like seeing a celebrity walk oh down the God. hall and this is that's like exactly what this this chapter reminded me of it's just like <laughs> oh oh it's the it's the Gotti becker yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And like Sickos. no one no one else knows who he is by design. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and so they all, they also learned during this that actually the the reason Michael was kind of in uh Greece and Turkey when they abducted him was actually to um uh, transport explosives um to Germany via Austria. And that was kind of the purpose. So that's kind of how they build their own plan. So Joseph and Charlie then they're continuing their journey through Greece. And, um, you know, this part I, I do actually, I don't know, a lot of books I think like this, I would find the Joseph and Charlie chapters kind of boring maybe, but I think the the high intrigue and the multiple things going on, I actually found this stuff quite compelling. Um, but this is when, again, they're just like talking about how their relationship developed, um, why, you know, why he was in the audience at the performances in England. Um, and and I think, is it this part? I can't remember if it's this part exactly. But when he um, he reveals that he was actually the Palestinian freedom fighter that was in the kind of Maoist uh, weekend camp that she went to with Al, which I thought was really interesting. And, uh, you know, my reading of that is that was actually maybe when they first kind of identified her as a person that they can work with is they set up um, e either they set up these kind of weekend uh, radical leftist camps or they just kind of infiltrated them pretending to be Palestinian freedom fighters. And they kind of figured out who was in the audience, did their research on them. And were like, okay, she's perfect. She's got all the traits that we were looking for. Oh, I thought it was Michael who was the speaker. Yeah, that's what, okay. So that's, was it Gotti? <laughs> well, that's what yeah. I, I, this is I another thought it was one. Gotti. The, so I like, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to have been actually Michael or if it was supposed it, to be. Yeah. Cause Charlie is confused. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess it, you know, it really doesn't matter, but yeah, like, I guess it doesn't. Yeah. That like, 
that is I had assumed it was actually Michael like that. Yeah, maybe but, it was. Um, yeah. I kind of like that go. other interpretation better, though, like that. I guess either way, it's the same thing, right? They would have they would have known about this. Yeah, um, yeah, happening. they were they right. I, I, that's I think you're right that um, you had mentioned this earlier. I think you're right that uh, that's how they identified Charlie is, um, you know, an actress sure. attends a um, radical seminar slash training camp right. about um, like the Palestinian cause. And so it's like, OK, well, we can use her somehow. And then they probably found out like her back some other thing. Yeah, her background and like, okay, well, we can essentially manipulate her where right. we want her. Yeah, um, which is which was interesting. Like, I, I think a lot of those touches were pretty great where a lot of that stuff in, in the early parts of the, of the book are kind of talked about uh, kind of a little bit offhand in, in like her, you know, talking about her relationship or thinking about her relationship with Al and all this kind of stuff. And then that kind of, it's so funny. It's almost like the Truman show or something where it's like every part of her life, basically for the past, like, you know, few years has basically been an Israeli uh, op. It's very, very bizarre. Um, And then, so at this point, um, the relationship that she's having with Joseph, AKA Gotti, AKA Michael is getting pretty intense. And, um, this is kind of a weird part where uh, I guess Joseph as Michael is now talking about his brother Khalil and Khalil is kind of the, the guy that um, they're actually after uh, in all of this. He's kind of the, the brains of the uh, freedom fighting uh, cell and he's the older brother of Michael and he, he kind of talks about his admiration for him and then he shows her um, his gun, which was Khalil's gun that he gave to him. And asked her to kiss it, give it a give it a nice smooch, uh, which was kind of weird. But maybe that's maybe that's common. What do I know about freedom fighting? Yeah, that's a scene where he's like, "This is your this is uh, your jihad. Will you join my jihad?" Um, right. Kiss kiss the gun. And, and it's funny because later in the scene with Helga, when she kind of talks about that. Um, yeah, Helga's that, that like, what's the reaction? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the correct reaction. It's like so overplayed. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's so just a, like so melo- Yeah. It's so melodramatic that Helga is like, wait, what? He did what? <laughs> There's no, but, what gun are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. That, that Helga's like, chapter. Oh, he had me kiss my, his brother's gun. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me. Um, yeah. So then during this, um, uh, um, during this kind of scene when they're when they're driving through Greece and, and they're going through all this and, and right after this kind of gun kissing scene is when she kind of it, when um, Joseph kind of explains the plan that she's going to take this car. She's going to drive it by herself, which is kind of new because everything up till now, she's always had um, Michael, quote unquote, Michael with her. Um, so this is when he, you know, is kind of really kind of trained her up at this point to actually do her agent work. And it's like tells her all the various things that she has to do, how she should act crossing the borders. If something goes wrong, you just turn the car down a side street and get into a cab and just get as far away from it as you can, as fast as possible. Um, And she's pretty much ready to go. So yeah, she, there's kind of an interesting scene at the, um, when she's crossing in into Austria, I guess, Um, where the guards are kind of like creeping on her. It's kind of funny. That, that 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 was a funny scene because she <laughs> she's kind of she has to drive through this communist state uh yugoslavia right, and there was right, like right. nothing Sorry. at the uh at kind of the communist border where she expected to be to be uh you know like interrogated and then she gets to the, the austrian border and they're basically hitting on her and like creepy <laughs> right and like yeah and, she's feeling, relieved. yeah and she's relieved exactly she's like oh they're just like grabbing my thigh like that's yeah, it i can like i can handle this i've i've handled this <laughs> i guess that's yeah. like i guess maybe we can bring up the kind of how gaudy and kurtz kind of take advantage of this abusive relationship she's in to kind of control her um I don't know, you brought this up, Emma, if you wanted to. Yeah, I think they definitely, um, I mean, I guess we're kind of skipping around a bit, but um, there's a, uh, well, how about we uh, sort of ground this in what happens? Um, Yeah, yeah, for sure. um, She meets uh, Michael 
uh, Yanuka, Salim, uh, where they've been, you know, drugging him for, uh, it must be weeks now. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, essentially torturing him and, um, uh, just really confusing him about where he is. Cause, it, uh, my understanding is he thinks he's in Israel somewhere, um, uh, where they've taken him, but, yes. uh, really yeah. they're in, uh, they're in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, they're, you know, uh, playing this sort of sick game with him where they're making him write letters to his sister and then bringing yeah. back responses, uh, because one of them is pretending to be a member of the Red Cross. And then, uh, you know, said they can get handwriting samples and figure out his uh, speech. And so they bring him out in the red blazer that Joseph was very careful to be seen, that Gotti was very careful right. to be seen wearing at uh, Charlie's performances and stuff. And um, just the shock of it uh, when Charlie sees him is just uh, just incredible because she's coming face to face with this sort of basically this lover that Gotti has been crafting for her. Mm-hmm. And um, she runs out and um, Joseph follows her and confronts her. And um, she essentially calls him a, a greedy Jew. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he, he actually loses his cool for, I think, the first time in the book and hits her. Mm-hmm. And something that was very uh, striking to me was not just that jo- Joseph le- losing his cool and hitting her, but that it's uh, brushed off with only a couple mentions by her. Like when yeah, they return yeah. to the apartment, she looks at his hands a couple times, but otherwise accepts it. And I think they um, that LeCarrie really grounded that, and um, by continually mentioning that uh, Alistair, her you know uh, yeah, kind of loser actor boyfriend, boyfriend yeah. was uh, constantly hitting her, and just the fact that uh, since the books started, essentially that she's been basically used as a tool by the Israelis, and um, that they've been you know. Ugh, emotionally abusing her pretty much and yeah, uh, manipulating actually... her and so she just kind of takes it in stride when joseph hits her and um i just i found that really appalling i mean it's almost like the moment in um uh a most wanted man when philip seymour hoffman shoves the uh the lawyer yeah 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 because you're like times, yeah oh okay it's really kind of scary when they lose uh when these spies who are you know supposed to be in control of the situation lose their cool and allow that moment of like personal violent anger. Yeah. And so you're like, Oh shit. And then it also just made me very sad for Charlie that she just was like, yeah, well I had it coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think like you get this, um, kind of really like they have control, but the whole control is just them drugging Yanuka to the hill like they have to bring him out like draped over draped over there like they have to carry yeah. him out like he can't walk oh, yeah, on his really own disturbing. Yeah. they just, have to it's... drag him out like she mentions how his feet are like hitting the steps yeah he can't go down the steps and then they they kind of play these recordings of him I think saying basically what this I think this actually proves that you were right T-Bone because they play mm. recording of him like giving the speech that was given at the like Maoist camp right. and in the recording, he's like, why are you having me read this? What is this? Right. Um, right. So like, like I see. they like, they put in, you know, kind of those, re- he's like snuck sneaks in these really disturbing details where he's like, what, what the fuck? He's just like completely at their will. And then when you, you've, you know, in a few chapters when they, you know, murder him, like you, you like his end of his life is so like, prolonged and like cruel cruel and like merciless what they they do to him um all in pursuit of kind of the greater good um yeah that's um it's kind of the you know it's always there's always the um oh this isn't james bond and it's always the kind of george smiley versus james bond thing but i think that scene uh that emma was just talking about that's also one of the ways that john lecrae does a really good job of making making sure that this dumb doesn't come across as this like cool slick um kind of action film yeah. uh where he's like no you know the james bond version of this he you know he um woos charlie over they become lovers but he he does everything he can to kind of protect her or whatever um but in this it's like 
hey, you're starting to mess around with the operation. Um, I am going to control you uh, through violence now. And also that scene too, it's interesting because I think one reading of that scene is Joseph loses his cool and hits her. The other reading, which kind of wraps into what Emma was saying, is that they know that she was in this abusive relationship and with Alistair and kind of didn't yeah. do much about it. So they, I, I'm sure Kurtz is probably like, look, um, if she starts losing her cool, uh, you can hit her like Alistair hit her. And that's a fe- an effective way of controlling her. So either either oh, way, it's yeah, hor- I didn't even consider that. Yeah. <laughs> either way, it's horrific. Um, yeah, maybe I- that's even more horrific. I don't know. I mean, they obviously don't care for her well-being because no. when when she goes back to Lo- like after all, when she goes back to London to like she's driven the car over and she goes back to London to kind of wait for whatever happens next. They're like, yeah, go back to Al. Like you need to go back to Al. That's, you know, was part of <laughs> yeah. your life. You need to make You're it right. look like your life is normal. And like they just send her. They're like, you have to go back into the hands of someone who's abusing you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's almost like um, they kind of treat their their quote unquote agents like this, almost like uh, like fighting dogs or or you know fighting cocks or something, where they're like, "Hey, they're so proud of you when you win," but it's like if you die, well, we'll just get another one. We don't actually care about your well being. Uh, you're just you're literally just a, a tool in this for them, and um, all the all the time, especially you know the scene when they were kind of onboarding her. And Kurtz is being like so nice to her and all that. It, it makes it even more gross, right? When you get to these scenes where you're like, yeah, they don't, they don't give a fuck about her um, as long as she's doing what they want. And and the thing is too, it's funny when they always they keep saying like, oh, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. We'll just, you know, we'll take you to Israel. You can hang out for a couple months, and and then we'll bring you back. And I'm like, really? Yeah, they realistically, they just <laughs> kill her. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, this- it's like because uh, they had no problem killing the uh, girl who was exactly. with Yanuka who had uh, uh, basically. I mean, I'm not excusing what <laughs> <laughs> what she did with Yanuka, but you know they could have um, uh, turned her into somebody, or you know. Yeah, I mean, we um, can. There, but instead, they're just like, oh, he'll, she'll make a great prop for our little play that yeah. we're setting. I mean, you can be you can be anti like terrorist bombings and still think like people deserve a fair trial and like like this isn't like (laughs) they don't deserve to just be like drugged and put in a car bomb and like bombed without trial yeah like it's you know we can we you know it's maybe live but like the rule of law is a thing (laughs) you know no i think that's cool i think we're cool with the rule of law um, yeah, so in, actually, in my opinion, they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go on the record saying they should a, not no, have. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to take a stance here. I'm going to say that they probably shouldn't have put two drugged people in the car and rolled okay. it into traffic. We need to cut that. We need to cut that. That's too. No, that's not cool. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the one thing actually that we, we, we need to touch on, because this actually was maybe um, in terms of the scenes that I think are actually cool (laughs) when you kind of um, you can kind of for a moment forget about the context that they're in is the scene where so she's crossed the border into Austria and she goes to this town where she's like dropping basically dropping off the car for it to get picked up um, by um, the what's the term I should be using here cell freedom fighter sounds almost cheesy when I say it but um, whatever the Palestinian operatives right Um, and the part that I found really cool was just the intricacy in which he lays out like everyone's disguises. So Litvak and his whole team are kind of Litvaks in kind of the van controlling everything and, and monitoring everything and all the different agents that we've kind of been introduced to Rachel and, and the rest of them, they all um, will don various like disguises and sit kind of in a variety of positions of, around this little street, like sitting at a cafe, pretending to be a priest or two people who just got back from a hike and they set it up so well where you can see them like in the bathroom, like like putting mud on their face and being like, we got to look like we got back from the sweaty hike. Um, And then every couple hours they kind of switch out. They go put on a new disguise, go sit somewhere else. That part was really cool. I thought. Um, Yeah. I like that because it was a lot of, it was a lot of tradecraft. A lot of this, this book has been relying on some extremely fortuitous circumstances and luck. Right. Yeah. 
like in uh relying on charlie's like skill at acting mm-hmm. but um a lot of this was just straight up like we were going to sit in the cafe and we were going to see if something happens and um you know and then they actually do get fooled for a second by the the dutch girl who um changes right. her outfit in the bathroom yeah 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 that, that was yeah, I mean, a cool it's- part too yeah it's really good trade craft on both sides. Um, yeah. Of like, they're, I mean, he does a really good job of showing also that like, you know, these aren't the, the Palestinians aren't amateurs either. Like they, no, have exactly. very, they have a very good trade craft set up. Like that's, that's why they have to go through these like extent to get to Khalil. At least, you know, it's what they're showing is like, they are very good yeah. at this. They can't just, track him down um you know and they don't have the budget to bring a troop of actors to mykonos for like two yeah. months to like set it all up right so they're on a bit they they have you know as as advanced trade craft but with like you know what a one percent of the budget or whatever it is pretty impressive yeah um i was really impressed by look Harry's writing just to go back a little bit um when charlie's making the drive uh because you just yeah. it's one of the most tense sequences I think I've read in a mm-hmm. Lucari book, which is really saying something. Yeah. But um, where she's just uh, she's able to uh, like stop and she has to act normally and stuff, but she's almost hallucinating. Like it says, she chatted brightly with her dead father and her bloody mother. Well, I met this simply charming Arab mother, marvelously well educated and frightfully rich and cultural, and it was just one long screw from dawn till dusk and back again. <laughs> She drove with her mind whited out and her thoughts deliberately foreshortened. And it's just this like kind of yeah. sickening like car drive where you're like, oh shit, she's driving 800 miles through, you know, a, a country that's, you know, at least at the very least, you know, mildly hostile to uh, Israeli <laughs> efforts Iron, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's in a car completely rigged with explosives, which made me nervous because I was like, what if she got rear-ended or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that seems great and i love too i think he does a really good job of pulling all the um the thoughts that you would be having if you're in the same situation where you're, you're kind of wandering and just thinking of like how bizarre the situation you are in is and it, you know it's not she doesn't have a co-passenger to kind of just pass the time with and talk about you know what she's been doing with joseph for all this time um talk about this and that and greek history and and you know keep her mind active it's just her alone and uh doing something this insane her mind is just going to all these all these places of like how incredibly fucked up her situation is Uh, i yeah i really like that bit as well so uh we kind of jump now back to um this is essentially where uh, Kurtz kind of uh, makes good on his relationship that he built up with Dr. Alexis, the German um, kind of counterintelligence agent. He was demoted, which was kind of hinted at earlier. And um, Kurtz has kind of set up that he, you know, he's kind of kindred spirits spirits with Dr. Alexis. He understands he's kind of a smart guy and, and that they have a bit of a kinship. So he's like, hey, I'm going to give you some information about the original uh, bad Gotisburg bombing. Um which Kurtz actually obtained during the interrogation of Michael. Uh, so he he convinces Alexis that the information he's giving is good, tells them about the explosives that are due to arrive from Austria. Kurtz then relays this information to his superiors, and his intent is to um, basically ensure that the details of Michael's death, which is kind of forthcoming, are, are going to be known. Um, they, they want kind of German intelligence to know who these people are, what they're doing and, uh, that they're in, you know, in the country or whatever. So that part was kind of interesting. You have that almost comical scene where, uh, Alexis finally puts together like what Kurtz is telling him, which is (laughs) like, we have foreknowledge of what is going to look like a terror attack. And he's like, hang on a minute, is this going to kill people? And uh, Kurtz gets really lawyerly and is like, no German citizen will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That is great. Kurtz. I mean, Kurtz is honestly, you know, becoming one of my favorite characters that Lecrae's created because, um, not, not for his intentions, but in, in the way that he goes about it, I think he's such a well-realized character and, uh, he's such a smooth operator. Um, and you kind of combine that with, uh, quite a horrible history that he had and, I don't know. He 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 he's quite the character. He's I don't know one of the best that Lecrae has written, in my humble opinion. 
Um, okay, so before Michael's killed, so we know Michael has to die. He like they can't let Michael go, obviously, at this point. Um, so he's got to die at some point. So, but before he's killed, Charlie has to see him. Um, now, I don't exactly know, and and maybe one of you can tell me why. Why did they actually show? It, was it just so that she could see what he his body looked like exactly? I think that was part of it, but. I guess I don't really know what the reasoning was for actually bringing her there and showing her him. I think it was honestly to further sort of shake her and have her fall, you know, more deeply into the illusion Mm -hmm. where it was like, you've seen what he looks like for real. And now you can describe him and, you know, feel this. And I think also to make her feel, uh, genuinely appalled at his death because they know she has these, uh, you know sensitivities and so um i mean right because she flips out at the idea that they've you know tortured him and then when she um you know comes to grips with his death it's it's unclear you know how deep her sympathies really are with the palestinians like whether she is actually going to fulfill israeli intelligence wishes or if she is you know going to over identify sort of with the fiction they've created. And uh, so I think it was just to further add complexity to her emotions and just stir her up more. Yeah, I think part of it was also, I mean, just maybe a uh, very prosaic uh, consideration of like, if they quiz him, her on what she looks like, like yeah. and like sounds like and everything, they want her to have an actual yeah, that's, experience. That's but why I, they strip him and show yeah, him like like, like yeah. exactly. Um, but I also think it is, and we, you know, we'll get to the end of the book. Of they want, I think they really want her to kind of also hate the Israelis so that she is very believable. So I think they, you know, I think they know based on her proclivities that this is really going to piss her off and, you know, it's going to make her be believable to the Palestinians when, when they eventually come looking for her. Right. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, the Palestinians, as we as we get to in the in the scene with Helga, like they've researched Charlie as well, and they know a lot about her. And it wouldn't have been good enough if if she was like someone who had gone on birthright or whatever, right? Like she had to have this specific past, and the fact that that past would kind of make her resent the the actual operation that she was doing actually helps in uh, the disguise, right? So, yeah, I think that uh, that makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, I mean, like. As we were kind of taught, like someone like Litvak could never play this role. He just couldn't get, (laughs) he could never like get past it, you know, as much as he maybe like would say, oh yes, I can do this because like, I'm a professional, you know, I want to serve, I'm a professional. He just could never, no, like stop rolling his eyes, you know, or or (laughs) being disgusted. What's the name of that meme, Emma, that you said Litvak looks like? The, like, oh, the guy, the, 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 oh, the guy with the veins on his face. Yeah, just go look at our Twitter page. I don't know. I, I said that when we, were, yeah, when we were planning the episode, I sent the meme of that guy with the, the veins popping out of his face. <laughs> and like, he's like trying to focus in class or whatever because I was like, I feel like every scene Litvak is doing that because they um are constantly throwing him into situations where it's like, oh, you got to hang out with Charlie or oh, you got to, <laughs> you know, listen to some people talk about how they don't respect Israel. Yeah, 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 like no, that. that was so perfect. And I, he's just constantly too, like, <laughs> the, the scene at, because at he's the a end. zealot, like he, um, yeah, he truly he's, is. He's the out of the sort of motley crew that they've assembled, he is the real true believer. Yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I said this in our chat too, but. Um, Lecrae kind of uses Litvak's character as kind of, he is the embodiment of Zionism because, you know, Kurtz doesn't, you know, even the chapters where it's kind of from Kurtz's perspective, he, he doesn't really give in to that a lot on his own. Like he obviously kind of believes in it because he's been doing it for so long. I mean, he was in, what's the name of the, um, uh, paramilitary organization. It was, was like a Haganah or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Haganah. Haganah and the Ergun. I mean, this is, so the, the, when, uh, the, the reason that I think in kind of the last 
last chapter, second to last chapter of this section when Picton is talking to him and he goes, um, uh, Misha Gavron was in the Urgoon, right? And he goes, no, the Haganah is because the Urgoon was kind of the next level, like real terrorist group, whereas mm-hmm. the Haganah were kind of, I mean, it's all gradations at this point, yeah, but yeah, we're yeah. seeing we're seen more as like freedom fighters and just, right, you know, right. paramilitary organization. Whereas like the Urgoon were literally doing like the terrorist bombing of the King David hotel and things right, like that, like right, tactics, right, okay. the pal- ta- which also I think he is using as, cause like they use tactics the Palestinians are using now. So I think he is kind of trying to get at them and being like, you guys did the exact same thing against us. Yeah. Like how, what is your, how do you have any grounds to, to like you have no moral high ground whatsoever yeah. here pretty rich coming from the english after all uh i mean yes like, <laughs> thanks to yes, them the, all of this uh happened in the first place but um the the chapter where they meet the uh british intelligence is i think uh one of the most uh, i think it's one of the best chapters in the book and yeah uh, it's really good I think it fits really well into the sort of John McCary canon of criticizing British intelligence um, yeah. because you have this sort of early mid Cold War of uh, of the sort of smiley era. And then you have this sort of uh, beginning to stagnate era yeah. of the like 70s. And then we're getting into what's in the what year did we say this was in late 70s early 80s yeah it's like right yeah. around the war in lebanon um and so we see that um while they have this sort of uh they have this sort of new blood in the secret service the intelligence service they are, are also very much rooted in their sort of colonial ways um because the man that they talked to picton is um they specifically point out, let me find the quote. Um, I thought it was a really illustrative quote where, um, so it says he had hunted communists in Malaya and Mau Mau and Kenya, Jews in Palestine, Arabs in Aden and the Irish everywhere. He had blown people up with the Trucial Omen scouts and Cyprus. He had missed Grievous by a whisker. And when he was drunk, he talked of it with regret, but let anybody dare to pity him. He had been second man in several places, first man rarely, for there were other shadows too. So he's just this sort of colonial functionary who is yeah. really good at uh, intelligence and counterinsurgency, and he's taking these um, sort of uh, colonial tactics for like fighting the Mau Mau in Kenya and uh, applying this to uh, at home uh, because we find that. Um, they have this conversation with the Israeli team and they can't find information on any of the terrorists that uh, the Palestinian terrorists that the Israeli team mentions. And then when they introduce Charlie and they're like, yeah, she's been seen with this guy. And they, you know, they show him the picture of her with Joseph. Like convenient. Um, when they, when they say she's been seen with this guy, they're like, uh, they, he comes back with these huge files on Charlie because she's a radical. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just I thought that was so perfect. And especially um, you just you see all these tensions there, too, because um, there's a upper class guy who makes a few sort of anti-Semitic remarks um, where John LeCarrie is clearly tying that as to sort of this aristocratic, like yeah. vocal distaste for Jewish people. Like he makes one of Lidfeck's uh, aliases name and stuff like that. And then you also have just this sort of tension where Kurtz is deliberately adopting a sort of servile demeanor and the colonial guys basically just like cut the bullshit. Like, are you running this girl as an agent? And um, and then he's like, yeah, this car story doesn't make sense. Did you blow them up? (laughs) And um, like he just clearly sees through it because he's been doing pretty much the same thing uh, on behalf of the Brits. Well, and there's this kind of decay. Yeah, and there's these mutual hostilities because they were <laughs> fighting before. And so there's just there's so many escalating and interlocking tensions in this chapter that well, I just and, and Kurt I talks it was about really too good. that he when he was part of the um I'm gonna forget the name of the uh organization again, but the paramilitary organization that he was like uh, beaten and tortured by British yeah. uh into uh, British officers in, in Israel while he was there. Yeah. Um, and he's so able to 
he's able to play it off and like you know actually he's really mad but he's actually yeah. able to talk to them whereas Lidvac has mentioned several times is just like <laughs> basically asleep visibly which I, ill like it says like he has his head in his hands yeah. and and let, just like, imagine what's going through his head. Yeah. Well, and Litvak wasn't even alive when this happened. No, like he's exactly. in his twenty. Like yeah, yeah, he's just like wilding out because they met the English, which is yeah. which, fair, I, guess. I mean, like yeah, like I get it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I live yeah. there. I get it. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the part I was going to say too, just about this bit, was that there's also a scene when um, uh, what's his name, Picton, right? When he's like, you know, it used to be. At, at one point we would be the ones kind of giving you this information and now you're showing up on our doorstep giving us all this information that, and there's that other thing that smiley loves to do in some of these later uh cold war novels where it's very clear that the british intelligence a- agency is kind of getting left behind right like they're they're not the hot shit that they used to be and they're kind of um you know essentially being played in a way right in in this op too um where the only reason kurtz is kind of bringing this to their attention is he needs them to turn up the heat on Charlie. So the Palestinians actually think she's legit. Right. Um, and, and I, and I love that part. I love when he has those aging kind of British intelligence, uh, folks that are kind of doing their duties, but they kind of see, and, and that was actually a lot in the Taylor of Panama as well. I think he, he did a good job of that where, it's kind of done. Like they don't have much to do. All the action is elsewhere. Um, the interesting stuff is kind of outside of their grasp and, um, it's the Americans or it's the Israelis or it's someone else now that is kind of the, the top dog in the intelligence, uh, in agency. And, And they kind of still can do their thing and do it pretty well, but they're not like the ones picking up these, these things at first. They're, they're always kind of getting stuff secondhand and, and no one's really treating them with the respect they think they deserve. And, I always think that's really effective when he writes about that. Um, Okay, so before that, we get to the actual death, the death of Michael, which was another really interesting uh, Litvak and Kurt scene where Litvak is basically just like um, drooling at the opportunity to like uh, uh, blow this car up. So basically they have the the Dutch girl that they captured who who was kind of working um, with Michael and and his cell and they've got Michael, they kind of drugged them, they put them in the car filled with explosives, and they rigged it to explode um, to make it seem like an accident, which obviously later it seems like they didn't maybe fool that many people in the intelligence community, but um, it was supposed to seem like an accident at least. And um, so yeah, that that mission accomplished there. It, it was kind of a another really gross scene where everyone's kind of, there's like um, Gaddy, Kurtz and Litvak sitting in their hotel room kind of and Kurtz is like, okay, can we go? Are we good? Everyone okay if we do this? And uh, Litvak's just like, yes, let's let's get this over with. And Gaddy's kind of like, I guess so, if we must. I don't know. He's kind of, I couldn't really tell what he, was he supposed to be sad? Or is it just one of those things where he's just seen so much death that it's like, here we go again? I I, I don't know. I think he's been in the cold too long, basically. Like, yeah. yeah. He's been in like three different israeli wars and like i think he's just kind of tired of it and he yeah. also has these conflicting feelings for charlie too yeah. and i think he's just at the point where he can't really tell what's real anymore either right yeah i mean he's like he's moved to berlin there's this point where like he's sitting with kurtz and kurtz is basically like yeah your wife wants you to come home um uh back right. to israel and he's like yeah no that's not happening um <laughs> Uh, I, you know, he's just, I think he's over, I think he's over it all, but he still feels this duty to, to go through with it, which is why, you know, Kurtz, I think really would have called it off if Gotti had said, don't do it. Um, and Gotti doesn't, he just, you know, kind of walks away. Well, in a way it's like, well, they're effectively dead. Like we're not releasing them. Yeah. I mean, he's, so exactly. what else are we going to do with them? I guess just keep them in jail forever. And, you know, I guess he's kind of like, you know, what's the difference? So basically at this point, um, this is when Alexis kind of kicks in, right? So he, he kind of is the one that explains to German intelligence that this is this Michael character. And now that um, kind of the Palestinian uh, side 
understands that Michael was killed. He was in the car that Charlie drove. That That's kind of the link that connects him and Charlie. And then that, and then obviously all the letters they find and all the other background that they can, can corroborate now uh, because of all the care that was put into the operation, they now kind of know that they are directly linked. Um, so at this point, the Israelis are anticipating that the cell is going to make contact with Charlie. Um, she's known to be Michael's lover. She helped bring the explosives to Germany. So they, you know, they think that she probably is a supporter, but they're obviously um, rightfully being very cautious. So this is where we're in. I can't remember what city she's in. De Cornwall, I think. Something like that. But she's doing a play. Yeah, she's somewhere on the Cornish coast. She's in like yeah. Hampstead or something. I think yeah. they said it's uh you. That's where you actually get um, John Le Carre. You know, he lived in yeah, um, that's in right, Cornwall, yeah, that's right, and so yeah. you actually get these really beautiful descriptions when she's driving around in Cornwall, yeah. and that are just a reminder that these were his stomping grounds. Yeah, he probably. I bet you all those places are either real or like yeah, the way it's laid out is the actual layout, right? Um. Yeah, and so she she does a play, and then at the end of the play, this guy kind of comes up to her with some flowers and is like, oh, Charlie, da-da-da, and uh, kind of follows her to the hotel and is basically like, hey, you know Michael. We need to sit down and talk, essentially. And at this point is when she, she's kind of, um, I guess this is all part of the the acting that she's doing, but she's kind of brushing him off and saying, like, leave me alone. And I think... She's trying, she, she doesn't want to be too eager, right? Because I think that would seem extra suspicious. She's trying to be difficult because, um, you know, I think probably a, a few reasons, but one of them is probably like she, Michael has told her to be suspicious of everyone. And, um, you know, she doesn't want to just go along willingly with anyone who says they know Michael because they could be spies or police or anybody else. So she's kind of making a big deal out of it. And then uh, she goes and meets Helga, and Helga is—I don't know. How would you describe Helga? Helga is exceptionally strange. Uh, she's yeah, <laughs> like she's really into philosophy. She's some sort of when they describe her in the meeting with British intelligence, she's like a, a daughter of a wealthy family who kind of fell in with the radical set. Yeah. And it's kind of like an intellectual who writes for magazines and stuff, but she's also uh, really into uh, uh, doing terrorism. <laughs> and um, so uh, she just, she, I, I think, I, I couldn't tell how much of it was her trying to be deliberately disconcerting or what, but she has these kind of mood swings and stuff where she's like, oh, I know you're a spy. And then seeming genuinely torn about whether Charlie's a spy. Yeah, I and, can, I, to me, it seemed like that was on purpose to kind strange. of try and throw her off almost. But but maybe it was just that's her personality. I couldn't I couldn't tell. But it seemed like she was trying to if Charlie was a spy, she's trying to really put the pressure on her and kind of give her a range of emotions to see if she yeah, she's crack. like trying to freak her out. Yeah. Yeah. So basically at this point, Helga and I can't remember her um, her kind of compatriots name there. Um, he has like a long German sounding name. Um, Mr. Bine. Yeah, Mr. Bine. So they kind of um, interrogate her essentially, and they're asking her all these questions, and, and she keeps telling her in a very, you know, professional way bits and pieces about Michael. And then she'll like, oh, yeah. And he told, told me about his brother. And they're like, what? He told you about his brother? What's his name? What's the Yeah, they're really, name? they're really shaken um, because they have just enough details to know that. Um, you know, he must have confided in her because this isn't something that, you know, an right. outsider would know. But then she's also, and, and this is kind of an interesting thing too, where it's like, is this her personality kind of being uh, slightly jealous or whatever? But whenever, um, you know, Charlie talks about kind of her love for Michael, it's always like, well, he, you know, he was with plenty of girls. They actually, when, when he died, he was with a very pretty Dutch girl. Like you weren't special to him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, again, probably trying to shake her, but there's probably a bit of personal um, angst. Coming jealousy. Up there too. Yeah, yeah, jealousy. I mean, yeah. you get, you kind of have these three people who are, they're all, all three of them are like rich kids trying to play terrorist. Um, yeah. Fighter, yeah. 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 Uh, which I think is a very real character you often see if you're reading about the time period of these kind of. Have, have you Rich guys seen the the movie Carlos? I I have um, not. I know the, the story. Jackal. 
Yeah. It's a great movie. I highly recommend it. But it, there are so many characters just like that. I mean, isn't it. Carlos a like, rich kid? Dude? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, he kind of fits that as well. He's obviously a bit more hardcore maybe. Uh, but yeah, there's so sure, many people sure. that along the way he kind of works with or meets up with or hides out with that are like this exact type of person, right? Like kind of rich intellectuals who um, who are on the radical left. Um, and kind of want to get involved and kind of get in over their heads a little bit, I guess. Um, well, I mean, like <laughs> Che Che Guevara comes from a rich family, right? Like, I mean, right. It's like yeah, a, it's common. I guess it's a yeah. common thing. Um, yeah. But like, it's so this common, is definitely like, it's not a trope. It's like it, it's, this is like a. But I mean, this is like a next level, you know, of them yeah. like actually doing terrorism. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Boss Baby. Uh, <laughs> terrorism encounter terrorism. <laughs> you know like we we you know i i joined dsa and they they're planting they're planting bombs <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> all kidding, these... they're not <laughs> yeah yeah they're not they're not um they're uh yeah it's all these like uh young uh university philosophy grads you know pretending to be terrorists and then on the other side pretending to be like israeli counterintelligence agents it's kind of funny <laughs> um but yeah so she kind of Obviously, she is reacting in a real way um, to the fact that Michael's dead because she didn't actually know that Michael was going to die. I'm pretty sure. Or yeah. did they tell her? I'm not I, actually clear. Um, they didn't. They, I don't think they told her because they want her shock to be real. Right. Like she's yeah. kind of in suspense, but also playing this role um, because yeah. she's writing all those like letters and stuff trying to figure out why he's not answering. So I right. think they're just trying to confuse her still. Yeah. And, and obviously her reaction is like quite real where it's like a mixture of kind of sadness and confusion and anger um and then she kind of goes on a bit of a drive and she's like trying to figure out if she's being tailed um and where does she end up again i think she just essentially goes well she meets up with she meets back up with joseph and and now when she meets up with joseph he is no longer in his you know traditional red blazer and jewelry he's kind of dressed just as a normal uh joseph style human being um, and, uh, that was, I think, pretty shocking for her too, right? Cause she's so used to him, uh, kind of being the two people at once being Michael and Joseph. And now Michael is dead for real, but also the Joseph version of Michael is also dead. Like they're both removed and, and that's kind of quite a big shock to her when they meet up. Um, and then we get to the last chapter, which we we've talked about, uh, before, which is, we then kind of cut back to Kurtz and Litvak. They have arrived in uh, London and they are the one thing. And you'll have to help me here because I, I kind of had to speed read this part a little bit. I'm not sure exactly what agency they're speaking to here. Was this a military organization I, or was it intelligence? It seemed tell. like a military intelligence type. Or, yeah, because that's like, I think who would be leading, you know, like the Ulster constabulary. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. some sort of like military intelligence where they have some sort of, the, it says like they've put him in charge of like counterterrorism. Yeah. I mean, so like, like they some have sort of counterinsurgency slash counterterrorism. They have like right, an yeah, actual yeah. operational role of like disrupting terrorist plots. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not, not like the, it's not the circus where, you know, who are just like doing counter espionage. It's exactly. more like, direct action yeah 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 yeah. i mean and i think like i was kind of reading this and trying to think like what would smiley think of these guys and i think he'd think they're (laughs) like you know basically like a sledgehammer like they're just very yeah i think he'd think they were kind of crass (laughs) yeah exactly and like very they're not they're not um they have no well, finesse. It's kind of Gavron and Kurtz distinction too. Right? Exactly, like exactly. The, the exact kind of, uh, yeah, this I, would I be just, the Gavron of England, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I, I just checked in, the, uh, the guy is a, a deputy commander and then they have a chief inspector. So they have some sort of, you know, military or police yeah, hierarchy yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah and, and his background obviously is more military, right? Like in the passage I've read. And I think we're kind of coming at from, at least, I don't know if it's similar in Canada, but in the U.S., like, there's a very big dividing line between the police and military, whereas in a lot of places, it's like a much... uh, Well, like in A Most Wanted Man. It's much blurrier. Yeah. Like in A A Most Wanted Man, they they got into that a lot, where it was like intelligence versus kind of internal um, state security kind of functions. Yep, yep, yep. 
um, and and the blurring of those where it's like, hey, we're the intelligence people. We're going out there and we found out that there are some terrorists that are coming into the, our country. And it's like, well, now whose job is it to kind of fish them out or, or capture them when they're in the country? Is it, you know, the state uh, security or is it still the kind of uh, spy and spooks? Um, and I, we talked about this in the chat too, where I think <laughs> one of Lecrae's biggest themes that is very clear yeah. is the kind of institutional um, competitiveness that yep. <laughs> happens that kind of creates way more problems than, than it solves effectively, where people are always, you're either competing with, um, you know, in the case of uh, the spy who came in from the cold, you're in West Berlin uh, with like a hundred other intelligence agencies all tripping over each other to like get the sources and, and, and uh, uh, information. And then in this case, you've got, you know, you've got Gavron versus Kurtz, and then you've got Israel versus kind of England with the help of Germany and all these people kind of competing. Um, Alexis, you know, competing internally within his intelligence agencies. Um, and in the Taylor of Panama, too, you had a lot of that where um, it was kind of the um, uh, competition between the various people and in the intelligence service to figure out who who kind of gets credit for the big scoop, right? And um, then the U.S. is getting involved and they're competing there. So this is a big recurring theme that honestly, until we started rereading these books, I'm not sure if I would have pointed to that as one of the main things, but it really is something that he's keen on drawing out. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole, we haven't read it yet, but it's it's basically the whole plot of um, uh, Looking, Glass Looking Glass War. war. And... I mean, like it is it's just very stark here and that Picton he he really doesn't care about the methods. Like he he's like he he's using it to needle Kurtz and be like, I know what you're doing here. Like you murdered them, you you did this. I you know, I did the same thing in Israel. <laughs> like it's not it's not uh it's yeah. I, I'm not against that. What I'm pissed about is that you've obviously been in England and you've you've used a British citizen for your op. Um and right. we have to go along with it for the moment, but like, this, stop stepping on my fucking toes. Yeah, and I think he literally trained Gevron, or right? Like, no, he. Uh, and, and, I think or the picked, other way around. I can't remember. I didn't. Yeah, I think he helped train Gavron after, like, after Britain pulled out. But he also yeah. like helped operate like the prison Gavron was in at some point. Right, Hertz was in. So like. Yeah. Like they've been, he's literally been against Gavron and helping Gavron. And I think yeah. he's like, yeah, he which, says, I know where Misha gets his friends from. I gave him his bloody job. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he pulled Gavron out of prison and gave him his job. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I think like, he's, he's like, he kind of, in a way he is very, uh, like non-political. Cause he's just like, whatever England tells me to do, I'll do like, I'll, yeah. I'll torture Gavron in jail and I'll put him in charge, make him in charge of an <laughs> intelligence service. Right. Whatever the queen is telling me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I agree. Emma. I think this was one of my favorite chapters too, because it just, it just gets to the heart of so many of these themes. And um, it, it also kind of shows too, that, you know, this weird um, dichotomy between the state that kind of England helped create and, and the problems that that's causing. And then it's kind of funny too, how picked in, in a way he, he's almost he almost comes across as sympathetic to the Palestinian cause in some ways where he's kind of like, Hey, like you're always going to have trouble with them with, you know, with the Palestinians. And, um, this is just the way things are going to be. Uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, which I guess also gets at probably the deep, deep, um, evilness of the English state and the British state where uh, they kind of set all these pieces in motion or at least partly responsible for them. And then when the shit hits the fan, they're like, Oh, well, look at this mess you guys have to deal with too bad. Not my problem anymore. Yeah. Isn't he basically like those pallies are going to kill you one day? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, they're going to get you like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to really, you're not going to win this. And then it drives him to alcoholism. Like, uh, he right. just he's he's yeah he um because he has a he blows up and he goes on this really racist rant about you know who do you think I am some kind of and he says some racial slurs and yeah stuff like that and uh like he just flips out at the idea of uh, just the fact that they have all this information that he's not 
privy to and that he's only privy to at their uh yeah they're not coming to him as like willing partners being like hey let's work on this together they're coming to him basically being you're part of our operation (laughs) yeah uh, and that obviously pisses him off. Um, and with that, that's chapter 18. So Great. we are going to finish uh, The Little Drummer Girl in our next episode. So um, be back. It may just be Max and Emma. I may join. We will see. But uh, regardless, I am very excited to finish this book. I said before we start recording, this is as I have been getting further and further through the book, this is creeping up my list of John LeCrae books. I, I've been really enjoying it. And um I'm very excited to see how it turns out. And so also, I was going to say, also, I know we are not on the most regular release schedules, but I will also be <laughs> editing this episode yes. for the first time. So I guess if it I sucks, don't really, it's if Max's it sucks, fault. yeah, it is my fault. Um, don't blame Tyler. But if the other episode sucked, you should, you, you should definitely yeah. blame and Tyler. They, and they did suck. So you can blame me for those. <laughs> for The editing sucked, not the content, of course. Um, yeah, so that that's how it's going to be. We'll get this one out as soon as we can. And then once we've caught up and finished this book, which I think, th- I don't know, is this one of his longest novels? It, it does seem very long. It, yeah, I'm reading it on Kindle, so I can't really tell. But yeah, I, think I am it's too, yeah. Anywhere it's, from, I've seen ranges from like 450 to 650. So not yeah. sure what, what to believe because I don't have a paper copy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the edition. I mean, my edition is, the, is 430. Um, but you know, it's obviously like depends on how you print the text and everything, but it's, it's long. I mean, it looks bigger than a lot of the books I have on a shelf. I mean, it's certainly yeah. no spy who came in from the colds. Right. Uh, exactly. We kind of yeah. screwed well, ourselves so far, down with that. So far, I, I think people, people who've read the honorable school boy, will I think agree that sometimes John le Carey can get on yeah, some or, uh, wild digressions and, and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Taylor, Taylor of Panama, like we yeah. Taylor of yeah. Panama, where you're like, eh, you know, some of this could probably be cut. But yeah. uh, so far, I feel that he has been relatively restrained here and that this much is this much uh, space is actually needed to tell the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, so complicated, I'll allow it. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you, you get <laughs> oh, we should also mention that um, apparently uh, a posthumous novel will be released. Yes, yeah. very exciting news. We're now in the news corner. It's John Lecrae breaking news. Um, yeah, yeah, we're getting a new novel. Yeah, not expect, but uh, publishers send us free books. Well, yes. We'll, uh, yeah, is it published uh, by uh, who, who published AP, all the books? AP News says that it will be. Well, it's Viking. Uh, AP Viking. News says that they're going to publish it in October. Ooh, it's so called it Silverview. Forward. It will be published October twelfth, and it centers on a small town bookseller who's drawn into a spy leak. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, that's going to be yeah, our first um, concurrent review. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I don't really trust uh, posthumous releases, but I, I feel mean, this... that the, his son has been very careful with uh, LeCarrie's legacy so yeah. far. And so it also, I feel like, that he can be trusted with that. This one is coming so soon after he passed away. Right. Yeah, it really, must have been pretty it much must done. have been like done, basically. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. That's really exciting. So look forward to that, folks, all in the coming uh, year. Uh, so with that, I think we'll end it there. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And we will see you again next time. Bye. Hi, everyone. Bye. James Bond, the killer.